Welcome to the Gaming Trend Podcast. My name is Anthony Shelton. I am joined by David Burdett. Hello there. And Noah Rigsby. Hello, everyone. And Jackson Lussberg. Hi. In this podcast, we talk about the latest games we could get our hands on, games in our backlog we should have played a long time ago, and games you absolutely need to play. Fellas, how you doing? Noah, actually, you just came back from vacation. Yeah. I, I forgot um, about that as I was doing that. How was your vacation? Really good. It's kind of crazy. Um, it Generally, uh, in Tennessee where I live, it stays around like 89, 90 right now, and going to the beach where it's like 94, 95, you know. It, it definitely was a change in, you know, coming back. I'm just like, it's actually not too bad outside. And people are over here sweating, you know, just miserable. I'm like, it's okay, guys. I've been... So I, I get the whole, like, people who live out in, like, Arizona and stuff when it's scorching hot weather and they come to, uh, like, Tennessee. And they're like, oh, it's 90? This is chill. You know, we're over here dying. So I get that. But, yeah, I, I'm catching up. I'm trying to play catch up after being gone for a week. So it's trying to progress more through the Diablo campaign, which I've talked to you about. So kind of getting back to society. Cause when you go on the beach for a week, you kind of, you have to come back to reality and all the fun stuff that comes with that. So yeah, doing good. Just tired, still tired. <laughs> I appreciate you being here, David Jackson. How y'all doing? I'm doing pretty I'll defer good. To Jackson. Just enjoying the summer so far, you know, grinding out some work. Is the air conditioning on? No. It's right next to you. No, it's off. David <laughs> made the same comment. I <laughs> I hoped it was on because it would have been the visual of the air conditioning literally right next to you and just your hair just like. This is my recording quarter. Ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I guess that wouldn't work for the recording. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. It's been, it's been fun over here. I've been knocking out a couple different things. Just actually dropped the Ponage Stormbreaker gaming mouse. Did a review on that. It's, it's awesome. Uh, had a couple of technical issues that we were able to figure out mainly that I had a review unit and needed an update to shoot me up to the most current firmware, which everybody else got. So ended up fixing it and everything was perfect and I was able to give it a really good score out of that. So good stuff there. Good stuff there. Beyond that, kind of just wanting to be clear of a schedule because we're in preview season, boys, and it's about to get crazy. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is the score you gave the mouse? I actually gave it a 90 out of 100. I, I felt really strongly about how good it is. Uh, my only cons with it were the doesn't have a dedicated DPI button. Like there's a button combination. <laughs> and for a gaming mouse, it's nice to be able to insta switch. And if you got to hold on just a second, guys, <laughs> I'll be right there on the bomb. And then you have to hit a button combination for three seconds just to switch your DPI. That's not great. And I'm trying to remember, there was one other thing. I don't know. It's a great mouse. Uh, it's actually the lightest gaming mouse that I have, and it's made out of a magnesium alloy metal. So that's like super surprising to me. <laughs> so it, it's really, really nice, really comfy, clicks well. What's the point of the DPI button? I don't, I have a Death Adder V3 and it's got the two DPI buttons. I don't know what the, I just switch it to something else usually. 
Well, the DPI is pretty much a, like, if you're wanting to move your mouse cursor faster, obviously, like, that's that's what you're adjusting, how fast the sure, sensor is going. Sure, but why would you need to do it in the middle of a game? Well, depending on... Like, for me, on, I've always, I just set it where I want it, and yeah. boom, I'm, I'm good. Well, everybody has a different feel for different things, so some people might like it to be a little bit more twitchy if you're playing Call of Duty, but maybe less twitchy if you're playing something like, say, Marvel Midnight Suns. Uh, if you're somebody who switches around what kind of game you're playing, you may not like the same sensitivity for everything. So that's kind of a way to adjust your sensitivity outside of going in and adjusting your game sensitivity. And it's a lot quicker technically as well, uh, especially since most mouses in the software, you can go in mice, not mouses. Uh, you can go in the software and actually put a list of like different speeds of DPI you want to use. Yeah. So you could really have it pretty super customized to okay i'm on this one so that one's controlling this is what i want to use for overwatch this is what i want to use for call of duty all that kind of stuff yeah that's what i'm familiar with yeah okay i guess i don't have a use for it no Uh, it's not as useful for me but i get the reasoning like it's just useful okay also sniping some people like to change out for sniping and using assault rifles because different scopes yeah, I I just set all that in the game setting and let it fly after. I don't, yeah. Because I feel like certain games have different feels to them. And if I don't set it manually within the settings along with, you know, whatever I'm used to, then it's, it's just going to mess me up anyway. So I don't know. That's weird. Like Call of Duty is twitchy, but it's less twitchy than Overwatch. So I'll set my mouse DPI to the same as Overwatch, but the in-game setting is going to be different for Call of Duty versus Overwatch. So yeah, well, then instead of going into a settings menu, I just click a button and boom, I'm done. Yeah, I guess that's the part that's not clicking. <laughs> with me, like, how does that... D- yeah, different different guess, strokes need, for different folks. I guess I just don't <laughs> understand what it does. Yeah. <laughs> um... All right, let's get started. It's time to bring out the Wheel of Segments. The Wheel of Segments is our infallible topic chooser. If you're listening, we have a wheel on several topics, and we'll spin the wheel and talk about that topic. So here are our topics for today. Uh, Our game, one of them is Arcade Paradise. Lone Ruin, another game. Uh, Some Perfect Dark reboot news that happened a couple weeks ago. Another game called Guilt. Battle Bit and the Division 2 Descent news. So let's bring out to the wheel and let's spin this bad boy and see what we get. Big money, big money. Country music. Oh, is it really going to start with me? (laughs) Yep, it's going to start with you. (laughs) I was expecting the wheel to just spin off, like off screen, (laughs) just shoot off. All right, Lone Ruin is topic number one. Let me pull up the gameplay before I forget, because I would be the one to forget that. There it is. All right, so Lone Ruin is a... Yeah, why is it not playing? <laughs> I thought he was going to go the whole time, and it was just going to be at this one screen. <laughs> I, know. I don't know. What Commentary it's and everything un- on a frozen screen. Unpaused and everything. Maybe the file is too big. I didn't get the chance to squeeze it down a little bit compress it but uh okay well i'll try to load it back in 
But imagine if you will. Very nice picture. Picture if you will. So, uh, Lone Ruin is a roguelike, uh, very similar to Hades in in style. Uh, it is a twin stick shooter. So, um, basically, you play as a character. Uh, you are going through different dungeons, dun- rooms. You're shooting things, twin stick shooter style. Enemies are coming, waves of enemies. You beat the level. You get an option for upgrade one or upgrade two. You choose the upgrade and you keep going until you hit the boss. You beat the boss, you get more upgrades. And like Hades, it you just keep going until you finally beat the game. There are 30 levels and uh, I think nine different weapons you can choose from to start. I think Hades had like six or something. Um, and so that is lone ruin <laughs> it's it's very simple but it will not play it, okay you guys can testify that it played a little bit before i started i don't know why it stopped playing anymore maybe there's too too much stuff in there that's fine it's a podcast so um so yeah this i don't know this is an interesting game at first when i was playing it it kind of felt like why was this made i don't know why no. Well, okay, so uh, yeah, I'll get to the revelation that I had last week, but it it felt like this is a poor man's version of Hades, except it's a shooter instead of more of a brawler. So to me, it felt like it's fun, it's fine, but it's short, and in some ways, it's not built for its own design, especially when it gets in higher difficulties so the 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 revelation that i had was this is one of those games where a developer had an idea they saw hades probably they like roguelikes more than likely and decided i want to make one and so they made this and decided yeah i want to make a twin stick shooter and it, and it does play fine. It's a little floaty. It feels like you're you know, running across the ground, um, almost sliding on ice a little bit. You don't actually slide, but it feels like that as you're, as you're going around. Um, but it, it is properly challenging at the normal level, and it is generally fun. I, I, I saw it on Steam uh, as a in my early days of trying a, a different YouTube um, series. So I was like, I wanted to play this. It looked interesting and it is, but I feel like once you get to the higher difficulties, it actually starts to crumble under itself oh, because no. the boss battles in particular, uh, they are more like bullet hell type of bosses. So they'll have moments where, Tons of um, stuff is just flying at you. And it's sequenced in a way where you can can dodge it. It's not quite like Ikaruga bullet hell, but it it can be difficult to to fight against. The problem with it is once you get at higher difficulties, it's easier to die, of course, and things like that. And because you can't predict what the boss will do, Many times you're stuck in a position where 
you really don't have many options to get out the way. Or perhaps a weapon you choose is really unfit for the boss. So you can choose lightning, for example. Very good long range, not very strong, but it bounces between enemies. Cool works on the boss. You just have to endure longer because it doesn't have a bunch of damage. But then you have a more close range weapon. Uh, I forget one off the top of my head. But for this particular boss, because they have uh, kind of 90 degree or 360 degree type of attacks in this first boss, for example, and you don't know which one is going to pop up, it's hard to go in confidently and be able to do some damage because you don't know what the next attack will be. So it's really not a good boss for close range weapons. But if you're most optimal with close range weapons, pretty much everything else does okay against close range weapons. And so it feels unnecessarily difficult in a way that's not really fair. So it, it, the bosses weren't designed around the different weapons that are available um, so that even though maybe a different weapon might have more difficulty, it's not so difficult that it feels dang near impossible. And it's just like, well, shoot, I'll just use this other weapon and have more success. So they unintentionally limit their weapon choice uh, based on their boss designs. But everything else feels pretty good. The upgrades do feel good. They, they nailed that part. So it, it does feel like you can make a build and the... The builds that you make, obviously, you know, they they, they build upon each other. <laughs> and so uh, they have good synergies. Yes, that's the word I was looking for, actually. They do have good synergies. So that feels good. They they did nail that part. Um this is and then after that, I mean it's 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 only 30 levels, so you could get past it in an hour. And then you replay it on higher difficulty. So it's it's really not much of a complicated game, but it it is an interesting one. Um, I think there's a place for a twin stick shooter roguelike in this style, kind of fashioned after Hades. I think this one still needed a little bit more work, but it's it's not a bad it's not a bad game. I don't know if I would pay fifteen dollars for it, which I did, but I don't I don't know if I would recommend anybody else pay $15 for it but uh there's some there's some cool ideas in there i just wish that some of their design helped with their higher difficulty i wish there was just more there for that um but there wasn't so it's lone ruin unfortunately the gameplay i couldn't get working so <laughs> so the bosses felt a little rng dependent the bosses uh, with different weapons, it, it felt like you were subject to the RNG there. Um, so one, the first boss, I think, is probably the toughest boss uh, next to the, the last boss. But the, the first boss has this 360 attack. It kind of comes out like this twirling wave pattern. And then there's another attack that he'll have like a like I guess a wall of bullets pop out and then shoot out in a spread pattern. Um, 
So if you get in front, you know, if you get past the initial wall and get past it before it shoots out and it's spread, it's pretty easy to dodge. But if you're using a close range weapon and you try to get in, by the time it decides to maybe use the 360 attack, it's really hard to get away from it. And there's no differentiation between I'm about to use the 360 attack versus this little wall bullet attack. They just do a little shake and then they do a thing. Okay. So, yeah. Poor telegraphing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So very, very poor telegraphing. Um, but I, I wouldn't say like the design itself is unfair. It's just you really can't use certain weapons with that particular boss. So I pretty much found two weapons, stuck with those, and had success. Wish I could show you guys the game, but y'all can look it up. It's Lone Ruin. So that is that. Is that. All right. The Wheel of Segments. The wheels. Let's spin it. I feel like this is like a all hell the magic conch kind of situation. <laughs> Not just okay. enough. Okay. We going in order today. <laughs> Arcade Paradise. David, this, is this one's yours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Let's see if my video actually works. <gasps> it works. So this is exactly what you think it is. I am doing laundry in this video. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so here's here is the premise of this game. You are this young girl who has come back, I believe, from college, more or less, and she is given the keys to her dad's old laundromat. And he's like, you know what? I want you to work here. I want you to try to make it better. I want you to, you know, see what it's like, you know, working just a a real good working job, good entry level job. And so you do all this stuff. You get your key and you go into the back room. You find a little bit of an arcade there. Well, since you've been doing, you know, business degree stuff, you find out that, you're actually making more money through the arcade than you are in the laundromat. And your sister's a little bit ticked off because she already knew this and she wants to, it's kind of that whole thing of we both want to show dad that we can do this. So you're kind of secretly taking the money that you're getting and you're buying new machines. And this, this is all of a, a simulation kind of, I don't know if anybody's played gas station simulator here. Um, or any of the simulator kind of style games. But this is, it's very much simulation. You go around, you do different tasks. You have a specific amount of time in the day to do different things, get the money and stuff and whatnot. The fun thing with this that that I really have, have liked is all the arcade machines you can actually play, which is what's showing on the screen. Like you actually can go back and forth between the different ones. I believe in this video, I show all of them. But it's just none of them are too crazy or anything like that, at least that I've encountered so far. But it's just a fun little thing. And you actually have like a a, your wristwatch where you're having to keep up with the fact of you've been doing loads of wash. (laughs) So if you want to get the best amount of money for doing someone's wash, you got to make sure you're paying attention to that and going and getting that and putting it in the dryer and and doing all the different things in good amounts of time so that you can like you'll see it here momentarily like i just straight up ignored 
the whole wash command that popped up on my wrist. But it's really it's really funny because they even like when you finish the wash, they'll actually do like S tier thirty dollars, and it's just this really neat gamification of the whole entire uh, thing that's going on. But it's just it's already there's an actually an, a bit of an interesting backstory with just the way your dad talks to you, the way the the chat messages you send back and forth. Like you can tell the dad just is not interested in any of it. You, you don't know everything why, but he's he, it's literally this thing of like, oh, you know, you need to focus on what's what works, what makes money all this different stuff. And she's like, but I have the, she actually sends them. She's like, I have the charts and all of the business stuff here that shows you that this makes money. And it's, I feel like there's probably a real good story in the background of all of this. It's told the way simulators do. So it's nothing to in your face, but it's just, it's nice. Everything that I've gotten to mess around with. And I'm just, it, it's as simple as it sounds. You're you're literally just you play video games, you go do loads of wash, and it may get crazier later because I played it for a couple of hours, but at least so far, like it's just this. And you do get to the point where you're you actually expand the arcade. You can because of course your sister works at City Hall, so she can do all this stuff on the down low, <laughs> make sure your dad don't know about it. <laughs> So again, just just neat the way that they've done all of it. See, rank A, <laughs> and it they're just a nice chill thing about it. Like sometimes you just want to play a game that's just very just calm and kind of doing these monotonous tasks and stuff is fun. Like you actually have to go pick up like trash around the place. Like they actually have it where you do have to clean the toilet and it plays out like it's almost a boss battle <laughs> of getting the clog out. Like again, super simple. Cause literally all you're doing is like moving your mouse around to find, like, it's kind of like doing a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like doing a lock pick and like Skyrim, you're finding that sweet spot where the game kind of yeah. gives you that, that, that feedback of, Oh, here's where it is. And then you just keep pressing the button. It's like, uh, uh. <laughs> Until you finally do it. So, and then this, this is a little arcade game called stacking and they don't give you any instructions as to what (laughs) you're actually supposed to do. So I had to figure it out. (laughs) As you could tell, I really don't know what's going on as I'm messing around. I'm like, Ooh, I finally caught it. Don't go there. What about these pallets? (laughs) And again, super simple, but like there's something oddly satisfying about it. And I guess that's just, the arcade arcades in general back in the day they weren't necessarily these intricate you know rpgs we have now but there was something oddly satisfying just about these menial things that we could do on an old arcade cabinet and i mean it's the same reason that mobile games are such a big deal because yes there's nothing intense about what you're doing but people just enjoy it (laughs) so i think that's the, the the nice thing about these these I guess WarioWare style games where you pop in, you do a thing, you pop out, and it was and it was good. Yep. And like I said, this one is a little deeper in the sense of like it's got the whole simulation thing going, but even if it was just this little arcade thing, the arcade thing's fun enough. 
and you get to buy new arcade games as you go through. So I've not even scratched the surface probably on all the machines that are available. I can feel my uh, blood pressure lowering just like watching this game. (laughs) So calming. See, I would be horrible because I would not even do any of the laundry stuff. I would be sitting in the arcade the entire game. Well, that's why I'm glad they give you that extra notification like with your watch. Oh, I didn't pops up. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you probably would, but like you can tell I'm like thinking about it. So I'm like, Oh, quick, put in a load. (laughs) And then I'll check every once in a while. I check the sign to see what's going on. Toilet was clean, thankfully, but I'll check the, I'll check the timers on everything and look at the floor to see if there's any trash to pick up. (laughs) Could you just completely ignore the laundry aspect? If you wanted to, I think so. But the, the money you make through the laundry does help you get to the point where you can afford more arcade machines. So it's definitely one of those things of it's a catch 22. You can eventually make some money, but you just won't make as much. Most likely. Like I said, straight up menial. Like you just hold E. (laughs) I like how it's little cartoon clothes going into the laundry or the dryer. <laughs> they they really made it very like I said that it, it's very arcadey with the way that the whole entire setup is when you do things. So I, I really like that extra touch. I mean it's laundry. <laughs> you can't it's already boring. You gotta you <laughs> exactly. gotta spruce it up somehow. Yeah. Well of course you know the first thing my wife said was she's like you don't even do our laundry <laughs> I was like, yeah, but this is I like... I can't play video games at the same time. Right. <laughs> like, there's... got to gamify it. Yeah. So, it, like I said, it, it's that whole... The same allure as stuff like Gas Station Simulator and all these other simulators. That's, that's what's here. It's such an interesting way to do the micromanaging aspect. Oh, and of, this... Uh, this is Grand Theft Auto meets Pac-Man. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> Like is that's literally what this is. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this. <laughs> so for those who are listening, it is a it is uh, a street with a bunch of you know roads and whatnot. Uh, or it's a city, and there are cop cars chasing <laughs> David's car, <laughs> and you have to turn around streets and collect money. That's that's the Pac Man aspect. That's funny. Yep. I said really, really fun little things in here. And it's like, I I really could just sit here and just play these little arcade games. Yeah. The title is uh, a bit misleading in the, in the best way. Arcade paradise. You think, Oh, I'm going to play arcade games. How about doing some laundry? (laughs) Yep. And then build like this big arcade <laughs> arcade yourself. Cause like I said, that's that's the neat thing is they did find a way to put a fun little story into it. So Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun like and it. it is on Xbox Game Pass. So that was on Game Pass. Okay. Very good. You need some right. chill. Chilling and do laundry. <laughs> I mean, what else would you do while doing laundry? You'd know you'd have your switch there or your Steam Deck. Yep. That's true. But just build an arcade in the back room. <laughs> Go back to the uh, black market days where uh, pinball machines were banned. Start going in that direction. 
that's kind of how it feels because you're because you your dad doesn't know you're trying to prove it to him behind his back <laughs> that it's profitable <laughs> it's not a real thing for pinball machines banned yeah they were uh yes in one point in america pinball machines were uh known as uh the big no-no interesting yeah not necessarily because of the pinball machines themselves, although that was part of it, but where pinball machines were was also part of it. Speakeasies and strip clubs and things like that. So, yeah, pinball machines at one point were seen as the the reason for America's downfall. Interesting. Yeah. Video games are still taking a hit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, let's spin the wheel. See what Woo! we get. Ooh. Round wow. and round and round it goes. Bringing out the country music this time. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're breaking the order. Yeah. Skip it. Okay. So there has been some uh, dissension about The Division 2. Uh, Noah, why don't you take us into that? Yeah. So everyone, you know, who plays loot-driven games knows all about the loot and the grind that comes with that. Um, And a lot of these online live service games, if you will, they are a hassle to not only develop, but maintain. And things break. Bugs happen, things break. And if developers know gamers, which they should at this point, they should know that when something exploitive can be found, it will be taken advantage of. And so recently the team over at the division two posted a community update post. And I'll briefly recap it because it's just painfully hard to read. Basically we want to take a moment to address an important matter concerning the descent game mode. This is a new game mode that just got announced or just got added uh, this year, we are aware that certain players have been exploiting a bug in the game that allows players to join another player already in Descent through the Ubisoft Connect interface and gain unfair amounts of XP and SHD levels. Which SHD levels are a level exclusive to the Division Two game mode, or the Division Two game. It's how you, you know, level up and stuff like that. And so. They go through and talk about how they take all this stuff very seriously. And as a result, they will be imposing appropriate sanctions on the players involved in accordance with these policies. First-time offenders who have exploited this feature will receive a two-week suspension starting immediately. Furthermore, sanctioned players' accounts will be flagged and any further offense will result in an increased suspension duration. Multiple offenses will result in a permanent suspension. They will also be rolling back players' progress, XP gained, items earned, all of that stuff. And then they ended with, we are committed to upholding the spirit of our game and providing you with the best possible gaming experience. And I, (laughs) I'm trying to be nice about this. I strongly disagree with this. Um, It's not justified. It's, It's giving me PTSD from another game that did similar practices uh, 
Anthem. I don't know if you guys remember that game. It was oh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, they were also another studio that in a PVE style game where a bug, they found bug exploits and gained increased levels, resources, materials. They also were banning people taking advantage of this. Um, and I, I just can't wrap my head around banning and rolling back progress from players discovering a bug that in your game that they did not create, they did not hack the game, they did not cheat in any way, they were exploiting a bug. And so banning, temporary banning, and then you know progressively increasing that ban, just I can't wrap my head around the decision-making behind that. Because um, it's not hurting anybody like i for all the problems that destiny 2 has and all of the issues and stuff like that that they're going through they are very outspoken about how hey if you if our players find a bug in a game exploit glitch something breaks they let them have fun with it they'll fix it but they're like hey you found this this is kind of funny haha and then they just fix it move on but taking away progress, um, banning, all that stuff. I just don't see any positive reasons to do it. Um, I think it hurts not only the relationship between players and the developers, but kind of dissuades players from wanting to participate in your game. Uh, I, I just I can't wrap my head around that. So I'm curious as to what your guys thoughts are on it if you agree or disagree with me uh i want to add some context to the story the glitch that they're taking advantage of uh descent is a roguelike mode so i guess you can do it cooperatively and so in it you can drop in on somebody's game basically uh and gain experience and shade levels uh which is division level stuff uh that you didn't have to work for so it'd be like me and noah are running having a run right now and then david pops in after we are in a run and gets all the rewards and didn't do any of the work uh that's what it sounds like i'm not entirely sure if that is exactly what is happening because that sounds like something that diablo 4 deals with with the world bosses like people just come in on the last little bit of the boss and get in a few hits and then yeah. get the rewards for it loot based games have been dealing with that for a long time that doesn't sound that that might sound like a, a glitch and a bug for this particular mode in the division two i'm not sure if it is that specifically but there's somebody on reddit who said that the problem isn't necessarily the shade level gaining. It is, uh, I'm just going to quote it. It says, the ridiculous economy-busting amounts of free materials exploiters received while bumping their shade level. So yep. in the division, you get some materials from completing missions, doing specific things that allow you to uh, craft things and create stronger builds. I guess this mode is generous with the materials that it gives if you're successful 
And so if people are just dropping in and gathering those materials for basically free, I guess it is really messing up how the division economy works. I also think some materials you get from different uh, paid things, I think. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I don't I haven't played in a while. Um, but I'm pretty sure there are some materials that you get when you like buy the seasonal stuff and whatnot. So money could be involved here. And if that's the case, maybe that's why Ubisoft is being so strongly about it. All right, go ahead, Jackson. I know you're going to speak up. Oh, I was just going to ask if this actually affects other players negatively or if it just benefits the players who are doing the exploit. Well, it impacts the main game. Like, it's not just contained to the descent mode. It does impact the main game. So, so given there are like, PvP, there are PvE el- PvP elements in the division, so it could impact that side of it. If you are a Dark Zone player, then yes, you can get an advantage by taking advantage of the descent mode. Um, but you said there could be paid content. Does that mean there are paid-to-win features in this game? Again, I that would be the case if that is true. I don't remember <laughs> if that I don't, is. I don't believe the there. Case. I don't believe it is. If I'm remembering right, like I, I don't think there. I don't think that's the kind of thing. But the economy of the game in general would be kind of messed up if, in general, if people are just easily able to get certain items. Um, yeah, I guess the my biggest thing with this, I, I agree with. You know what. If you've got a way to track who exploited these, I don't mind the rollback because that that sounds fair. I took advantage of an exploit. Okay. It's the ban that's a little bit much for me, and it's mainly because of this is the first time they're saying something about it. To me, if you're saying something about it for the first time, it should be, hey, we're rolling this back. Don't do it again or you're going to get banned Like, because we are working on a fix for this. Like it, it like Noah said. If a gamer is going, if a gamer finds something like this, they're gonna do it. You just know they're going to do it, especially if it's a in-game exploitable. Like I, I agree again with okay. You know, you caught me. I, I, I got this, and it wasn't fair. You can take that back. But the the banning that's a little bit too over the top, in my opinion, because then you're kind of just actively attacking your base in that like again it seems like it actually went over pretty positively from a lot of them about earning things correctly i just think the banning's a little too over the top like uh, yeah. to me if you did it again that's when it becomes a problem sorry but the players who are happy about it i guarantee you didn't even know about it and they're mad <laughs> yeah. that's what it is they're happy yeah. yeah they're mad because they didn't see the youtube videos or the reddit threads about yeah. it that's that's what that is but yeah but, but that's, that's how things actually work yeah. like when people realize other people have been cheating about a said thing and they don't and you know they're actually playing it properly yeah i'd be i'd be mad too <laughs> that's yeah. That's real You're life. You're in a looter game, my guy. <laughs> but but I'm just like I said. I I think you act like you know, I haven't take, played looter games for a while. Like <laughs> yes, I think, I take away take away the stuff, take away the stuff. But don't don't ban if it's the first time that it's being brought up by like again. That's like going down. That's like a a cop 
like sitting at the end of a road that's third that's 55 and pulling you over and is like hey, why am i being pulled over well they're installing a 35 mile per hour sign here next week <laughs> like but i'm doing fit but i was doing 50 yeah the to me it's just a hey you know you were already it's not your fault you took advantage of an exploit that's there it's in the game they didn't fix it you, you shouldn't be paying especially when it if it is one of those things where you're not like direct you aren't directly impacting other players yet <laughs> so I mean, eh, that's just the way I look at it is yeah roll yeah. back the progress but don't don't ban people over it I mean I don't I would like to see if it could affect players because the materials I'm assuming that's just for like infusement well, I'm and, assuming it was bad enough that it did for them to actually like, come out and say something like this yeah like because they, they have that data. They do have that data, trust me. The, the rollback, I, I still don't like it, but I can at least agree with that. I, I just can't wrap my head around banning for exploiting a bug. That's. I think it depends yeah. on what the bug is. I think in the case of you know the Destiny Loot Cave stuff, yeah, okay, whatever. Like It's a bug, exploit it, take advantage of it. Uh, Diablo 4 had some... Uh, nah, I forget... Uh, very similar loot based like oh this is like this is a great spot to get some loot oh it, it, it's it's messing up Patch. the design <laughs> so yeah you 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 fix it so people can spread out and get loot other places i guess when it's messing up the economy of an entire game uh in terms of how uh players get their stuff if it if it basically makes the rest of your game useless and people, especially those who engage in the PvP, gain a, a bigger advantage, that's a problem. And if enough people are doing it, eh, that's a really big problem. So how do you uh, de-incentivize people from taking advantage of it? Either we're going to roll you back or we're just going to straight up ban you. And I think that's the logic Ubisoft took. Is it too much? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a bit much. But I agree with the rollback. I think a rollback is fine, just rolling back to what state they were before. But banning is too much. Um, but yeah, people, there's a lot of people who are generally okay with it because, uh, you know, yeah, maybe they didn't have the chance to take advantage of it. But hey, you know, um, as one who has spent thousands of hours playing Borderlands and has seen hundreds of people take advantage of exploits in that game and i didn't get the chance to take advantage of them because of time uh or you know i just wasn't playing at the right time um am i mad at the people who exploited no but i still worked for my stuff so yeah you should have to work for it too so <laughs> um i don't i don't think there's anything wrong with that think there's some jealousy in those those players because i would be i'd be like man i should have been on youtube that day and seeing like yeah, there probably know. is but that's exactly why you you fixed the bug but i think in this case uh it it was a very problematic bug so I, they had to figure out a way to forcefully you know get people to not want to do it yeah, and, and they're wanting to scare people from trying to find something else. That's that's really probably what the ban is more for. But even if I don't agree with it, yeah, 
I think I think it's more of a scare tactic, though they have banned some people. Um, so they are serious about it. But I think they believe most people will stop or not do it. So we're not we're actually not going to have to do this, but we will if you test us. So don't do it. All right, let's bring back the wheel. Yeah. See if we get Jackson be, on the board. Yeah. It might be just the Jackson hour uh, <laughs> at the end. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You get you get back to back segments. Ready. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Perfect dark. Uh, it ain't so perfect. Is not perfect whatsoever. <laughs> so news came out that Perfect Dark uh, is is it a it a struggle right now? Um, I guess. I guess they're finally on a, a good note, but we have learned that after the Microsoft showcase, which was pretty good, by the way, the everybody's, not everybody, but some people were thinking, where's Perfect Dark? So uh, IGN, I believe uh, Rebecca Valentine dug in, was able to dig into it and talk to some people, and it's been a uh, crap show for perfect dark as as we have seen from xbox studios right now basically uh the initiative couldn't agree on a direction for perfect dark and so it kept restarting they brought in certain affinity to help out which is a bigger studio than the initiative they have more experience uh building things and taking a direction going with it and their team and the initiative were disagreeing on certain things with Perfect Dark. And so that also helped stall the development of it. So that that's basically that's that's the summation of Perfect Dark right now. That has lasted for about two to three years. And so at this point, Perfect Dark is pretty much still at zero in terms of development um progress so (laughs) i guess the question is should microsoft cancel perfect dark i don't know i'm just really fixated on one line in at the end of this article it says and booty is right (laughs) (laughs) booty don't lie (laughs) yeah he did in front of the cma i don't know No, it's, it's it's we've talked about this so many times. It's bad management. They just had bad management in that studio, and it's been just this constant. I I'm I'm hesitant to say you should cancel this because we just watched Dead Island to somehow come out and somehow be a good game, howbeit different than what we would have expected it was a lot more linear you could tell it was a okay we're changing the the scope of this because it needs to come out the door Uh, so it was a lot more linear in the way that they built it and whatnot it was good it was honestly a breath of fresh air in the way that they did it but you could tell it was one of those okay we finally just were like okay let's just let's get this done um i think that Crystal Dynamics can do a really good job. They are a team that knows how to make a good video game, even if they've had some flubs, you know, Marvel's Avengers notwithstanding. 
uh, the story was actually pretty decent for that game. It was the yeah. whole jump into live service that was the big problem. Uh, the question, of course, is what, what is Perfect Dark supposed to be uh, at this point? And if you're at zero, it, at what point do we end up in Redfall? That's that's the question they need to be asking. Are we going to get to a point where we probably should just cancel it and avoid dumping money into something that's going to be a huge problem? Because it's not like Xbox is hurting for IP right now. Like, they're doing really well with what they have. Like, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I know Perfect Dark is like a cult classic, but to me it's not fable or or gears or any of these those known quantities. So while I think it's a cool idea to bring it back and to diversify your lineup assuming it doesn't play like all kinds of other games like is it not does it not make more sense to just go ahead and move away from it? Uh of course the biggest question is how much money have they've already lost on it? So that that is going to be a bit because especially when you've got a possible 70 billion check that you're about to write, you really don't want to have to blow up anything. So I'm just I don't know completely who it's for. And I'm curious if it's not already kind of stare one foot in the grave that that's that's the biggest thing for Perfect Dark because we we don't know anything about it. We saw one super vague cinematic trailer <laughs> and that's it and all we've heard is bad thing bad management bad this bad that and at some point you do have to pull the plug on something we just watched flash bomb you can't just throw money at it and hope that that'll fix everything yep i i gonna add on to what david said about the the money thing you know They've, they've already sank a lot of time, resources, money into this thing. And I don't see, even if they're able to turn it around and, oh, it's a surprise hit, you know, like a dead island um, where it kind of gets stuck in the developmental cycle for a while. I just don't see that making them a profit at this point. So I think they need to just shelve it, call it, <laughs> give it some time to sit, rest for a couple of years. Then maybe if they can get another studio who can come in and have a definitive idea and identity of what the game should be for them. And it, you know, everyone can agree on it. Then you green light it and go forward. But I think at this point, I just don't see it being, there's a, there's a very slim chance that it could be a diamond, you know, release if it, if they keep going forward and investing into it, but it's not looking good in my opinion. So I, I think it's time to, to throw in the towel. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting because the it's, it's starting, it's starting over. So if you could get good management, there is a chance that this can be salvaged similar to Dead Island 2, maybe even better than Dead Island 2. Get good management, have a direction, get in, get it going, release it. But that's only because it's where it's at right now. So I think Microsoft could come in 
and salvage it right now, yes, I think it's okay to keep Perfect Dark going. But with Microsoft's hands-off approach, I don't think that would be possible. And so if I were Microsoft or, you know, Matt Booty in this case, knowing I want to come in and have a hands-off approach with all the Xbox game studios, I'm going to cancel it because I can't trust the management to be able to handle themselves without me stepping in and having to help manage the project. That's not my job. I have other things to do. I got 20 something studios to manage. I don't have time to micromanage you. I need you to fix your stuff and get it going. If you can't do it, I'm going to cancel the project and we'll just have to wait on something else or put you on something else. That that's the way I see it. And again, with all the money that has been spent, I think after the Redfall situation, I think Phil Spencer has to look at it and go, okay, you can't make the same mistake twice. (laughs) This Fool me once, shame on you. (laughs) Yes. Fool me twice. This this is looking like, as David said, it is going in the direction of Redfall. And if Phil believes they needed to onboard Arcane Austin a little bit faster... How much more do they have to uh, keep an eye on their studio that they decided to create? Not one that they bought. They created the initiative and they allowed them to choose which franchise they wanted to work on. And Perfect Dark was that one. Fine franchise to to choose. It's got player base and, and it's got, I think, enough cachet to be able to sell millions. But... If this is what you're going to do, sorry, this is not going to work. I'm canceling the project. Not, not to mention that you've, you've heard a lot of the whole, like there's a lot of people that have left the studio. That sounds eerily similar to the fact that 70% of the team that was behind prey from arcane left with Redfall. Like that's eerily similar and then you're outsourcing this to half of Crystal Dynamics, meaning you truly like yes, you're you're paying the bill, but like how do you manage a studio that isn't yours? That's there more that like they're it almost seems like they're building more of the game than your own studio yet. They're supposed to be the support. <laughs> yeah, part of it is. Like, the initiative is so small and they're having a hard time hiring, which yep. well, part of that, lost I think everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think part of that was, you know, the COVID and hiring and re- great resignation and all that. Um, but now, now people are wanting more jobs. And so this is, this is the time where you do start building up your team. But I think again, if I'm Matt booty, you can build up the team all we want. I need a direction first. What is perfect dark going yep. to be? I'm not giving you anything until I get that. When I get that, great. Let's hire. This is the direction we're going. Here's the next update that I want. I want it to be in this direction. If it's not, sorry. <laughs> we're going to have to give all these other people some jobs. I yep. just picture Anthony being like, you disagree once 
dead. <laughs> you bicker one time and I'm cancel canning the project. Like, you, I just think Microsoft has to, uh, they don't have to be cutthroat and I and I'm not saying they have to be no. Mr. bad guy manager position. I think it just has to be firm in the sense of look, we we have made this mistake with Ripfall. We have let you guys go for too long with all these managerial issues. This was on us. Yep. This was on us. So now we're going to step in. We're going to do our part of the job as Microsoft. We're going to take care of you, but yep. we need to see some results. What we're seeing right now is a lot of riffraff. We need to eliminate that riffraff. So I am asking for focus. I am asking for direction. You give it to me. I'll give you whatever you need. I will support you as much as you want if I were Matt Booty. Yep. But Sit. I cannot have any of this. <laughs> Yep, set goals, set expectations. Like, yeah. you don't have to be just, you know, you're losing your job. No, set goals, set expectations. Uh, another thing in here, it said, developers from all three studios involved with Perfect Dark told me that throughout development, Xbox has been remarkably hands-off with the project. That alone tells me that this is not going well. And this, we've talked about this, it's the problem of growing too fast. You keep adding all these studios, but you're not taking enough time to make sure the issues that are arise in your studios are taken care of. So, and then I guess uh, <laughs> Matt Booty was asked about it, and his response was, as it was put right here by Rebecca, surprisingly jovial. I don't like that at all. Uh, he said, I will well, just chuckle... I will just chuckle a little bit at the hands-off, he said. The amount of time I've spent on the phone with Daryl and everybody at that studio is sort of the opposite of hands-off and the amount we've been down there. Like, Perspective is such a funny thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it's that thing, though, of like, it don't matter if you say that. If your employees said it, that means you're hands-off, like. And I'm not going to say your employees always know, like, it's not this yeah, you yeah. Know, customer always their right, right mentality, right. but like, this is three different studios. <laughs> this isn't just, you know, a disgruntled employee. <laughs> this is three different studios. So we've, we've talked about it before. Uh, Matt Booty may be part of the problem in the sense of he, he's taken this approach that he thinks is hands-on but is not even close like his idea of hands-on seems to be i pinged him on the phone and asked how things were going <laughs> like well, yeah we, i mean we that's don't not enough of the conversation oh dude i was about to say that <laughs> As, he sent good? a text boo you good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like that was literally up, what i like, that's literally yeah. what happened thumbs up sweet <laughs> <laughs> hands on done <laughs> I would imagine most of these developers have had more hands on maybe maybe more than necessary for them maybe I don't know or just enough of what they needed and so they go to Microsoft and like oh these guys they letting us do whatever we want and so yes I, I would imagine they wouldn't say that unless they felt like okay this this is really hands-off in comparison to everything else we've been through before. So, um, so some of the stuff that's sticking out and all this stuff, man, it's, it's just like, so enlightening, like Pete Hines going. So yeah, I found out that they're going to let call of duty be on everything. And we're like, why can't we <laughs> Yeah, like, like 
it's insane the l- amount of just and I don't want to say no communication but just lack of communication that is apparently happening and that is not good <laughs> it's a big company uh, it, it let me is. tell you you have to fun. appoint new people sure yeah no, I, 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 right <laughs> and Anthony who will oh fire God. you if you disagree with him oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> he will vault you <laughs> It sounds like this game true. has okay. one benefit going for it, and that is no one really has expectations right now. <laughs> because That's a like, good thought. <laughs> there's, there's like one vague trailer for it, right? They could go anywhere. And like you said, it's a cult classic, so it's not like there's like 50 million people waiting outside GameStop. So they got no, I'm not even sure time. there's 50 million people for Halo, but... True. Um, yeah, are there I mean, 50 but, million people who shop at GameStop? <laughs> not anymore. <I> think, <laughs> midnight releases are over. I think Perfect Dark is probably a two, three million people product. I think. Uh, I think it could sell that much, but um, well, or at least get played on Game Pass that much. Yeah, so you can say I don't think it would sell that <laughs> many. I think it's because it would go to Game Pass, and so. Well, okay. You you understand what I'm saying. Goodness <laughs> gracious. You, yeah. <laughs> How many people play the game is what he's saying. <laughs> no, I was talking about buying, but yes, I yes, with the game okay, you understand what I'm saying. Like it it could be big. We got you. In the millions. So I yeah, I don't I don't think uh, the 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 you know the franchise is, is an issue, but yeah, the this needs to yeah, they just need to do what they said what they would do with Redfall, which is be more involved. This is your chance. Do it. Put your money where your mouth is. True. All right, Jackson, the rest of this podcast is yours, but <laughs> which for- one are we going to talk about? Guilt or battle bit? The suspense is killing oh, okay. like oh, It looks bit. like Battle Bit. <laughs> yes. Are y'all ready for Jackson's Indie yeah. Hour? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Battle Bit okay. came out a few weeks back. Pretty much just swept Steam like a wildfire. I believe the, um, have the player count right here 60,000 was today's average. 60,000. In comparison, Battlefield 2042's average was about 7.6 thousand, which is just absolutely insane difference. This game was made by like four guys, and it's managed to encapsulate what made me fall in love with Battlefield better than the most recent Battlefield title. I've probably had more only in Battlefield moments in Battlebit than Battlefield 2042. It's remarkably polished. I haven't run into any bugs personally. I'm sure people have. There's tons of customization. I haven't seen any like games as a service features. There's like a supporter pack you can buy that I believe will get you a few skins and that's it. And overall, I just think it goes to show what indie games can do for the gaming industry in a time of unstable releases of games as a service. 
four guys prevailed. They gave they brought forward like a fun battlefield esque experience. I know that's a little controversial to say because a lot of people compare it more towards games like Insurgency, Sandstorm, and Squad, but I, I like to compare it to Battlefield. Sitting at a ninety one percent favorable reviews on Steam. So have any of you had any experience with this game yet? Uh, no, I've heard about it. I just heard about it Sunday. I was like, okay, I, I want to play this. I like Battlefield, so I want to play it. I have not looked up a bunch of footage on it. I've seen snippets of trailers. I would like to play this trailer, but I guess my internet connection will not allow the trailer to play right now or let anything Interesting. play. It's a pretty low poly game. Um, but yeah, that yeah, describe low- it for us. Okay, so that low poly means that there's a lot of really, really good destruction, and you can also like build free objects. This isn't like the construction in Battlefield Five where there are pre-placed can, like defenses and trenches you can dig and sandbags you can put up. You can throw down sandbags or like concrete walls pretty much anywhere. And it just adds to the experience so much to have just such a customizable map. Just the other night, I was playing a game of it where we captured a massive bridge and we were just fortifying either end of it to make it an impenetrable fortress. Um, Naturally, one part got blown apart because we focused all our forces on one side too much. It's good chaos, good fun. It has map vote, which 2042 doesn't. It has very surprisingly deep customization and unlocks, which some people think the grind is a little bit too much, but I disagree with that. Kind of reminds me of Halo Reach. If any of y'all played Halo Reach and remember that grind, where there's always something to reach for. Um, It really is. I, I I kind of despise games as a service. I think it's done a lot of bad for the industry. Uh, let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about games as a service and how <laughs> let's shift a little bit. Yeah. Slight uh, plug. Why do you why I haven't <laughs> talked to anybody who's like truly despised games as a service? Might be being so, a bit um hyperbolic, but I, I really don't like it. Okay. I don't like battle passes. I just... I find that the model just doesn't work as well. I'm not sure if there are other problems in the industry that I'm just not privy to, but it seems like like the older model of games come out. Maybe a few months later, if everyone likes it, you get like a map pack. You pay 20 bucks for it. Bam you now have like six new maps, four new maps maybe, rather than, oh, games as a service, Battlefield 2042, for example, here's a slow trickle of content that years later is almost at the level that Battlefield 4 was a few months after release. Oh, yep, there's Battle Bit. (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess my David gave that to me, so I guess my internet <laughs> just won't allow it. But David's will, so that's fine. There's also the amazing scale that I don't think uh, 2042 can capture. And everyone's uh, just a normal soldier instead of a specialist. That's a huge plus. <laughs> um, well, it has classes, doesn't it? It does have classes. Um, five, I believe. Assault, Medic, Engineer. I believe Sniper is its own class. Um, I'm forgetting the last one. But they pretty much do as you'd expect. Uh, there are night maps, like right off the bat. Um, it It's just overall a better game than... It's a better successor to Battlefield than 2042 is overall. Well, yeah, 2042 sucks. Um, yeah. <laughs> but Battlefield 3 was good. Battlefield 4 was oh, good. Oh, yeah, Back those were great. Was 5 was... Uh, 5 was mediocre. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Games of- with your disdain uh, towards live service, uh, what live service games have you played? 2042 i played some terrible yeah um played some call of duty but it was pretty good wait i have to open my steam just to like peruse i didn't really have a list um assassin's creed the newest one i believe was live service <laughs> Maybe in the sense of they had added content, but yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a why that's a pretty wide net on live service. If yeah, if we're including I, Assassin's Creed. I typically try to avoid them. Destiny. I'm not too big of a okay. fan of Destiny. I feel like it played a lot on FOMO and fear. You know, fear of missing out. I'm so not. Is that- is that a fault of the live service or is it the fault of the monetization model? I'd say that's a fault of the live service because huge like parts of the map were removed a while back, right? Like you talk about the vaulting? Yeah, we can talk yeah. about the vaulting. <laughs> yeah, vaulting. Uh, Let's rehash, talk about the vaulting. Re- <laughs> rehashing old wounds here. I know, <laughs> right? Wait, first Here's I want to say um before we move on to the vaulting, uh I just the newest Destiny, what was it called again? Lightfall. Lightfall. Quite disappointing. The, the Witness looks like Megamind for some reason. The story was underwhelming. Uh, okay, gameplay. But it just feels like releasing games in chunks doesn't quite work as well as just releasing full games. That's just my stance on it, though. Now we can uh, move on to vaulting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the vaulting, I mean, that was just a disaster. That was that was never a good idea. Yeah. Um, so I am of the mind that, yes, maybe live service um, contributes to... Uh, horror games based on having to release content on a cadence that might be a little too quick. Um, 
And so there's not as much time to adequately develop games. But there's also the argument to be had that all games have a time limit. Redfall is not a live service game, and it was terrible. Um, Other games. It wanted to be, but they pivoted. Let's give them credit. They pivoted off of it. It just ran out of time. (laughs) So after that, so Overwatch um, 2. Overwatch 2 is is still Overwatch. Like the function of the the PVE was a disappointment, but the PVE wasn't going to be live service. The PVE was going to be a standalone full release. They stopped doing it because it was affecting the quality of the live service, the content releases. So um, I think an argument can be made the new content releases that might that are coming soon and what they've shown yeah it might not be great but who's to say that the rest of it later may not be good uh fortnite seems to be doing all right apex seems to be doing all right rainbow six siege seems to be doing all right rainbow's doing all right rainbow's doing all right for the audience it has and for the people that play it they're i mean Everybody's always going to be mad at the game that they play for hours and hours, but uh, no, they're satisfied. Um, you have Destiny is a weird one, and Noah can very attest <laughs> to this. Um, Destiny, will. nobody's doing Destiny the way Bungie is. Uh, nobody's doing a game. I, I think the Division Two is probably the closest thing to Destiny um, in terms of trying to release story content, having uh, PVE events and other Fortnite-ish type of stuff, along with a PvP, which they're not really supporting right now anyway, Um, and seasonal content uh, that also is supposed to uh, flesh out the story. Nobody else is doing that, Um, and they have three teams working on that. Not only that, they also have different skill levels i'll call it on those teams so i guess the team that worked on lightfall wasn't as good as the team that worked on witch queen so again is that a function of live service i think i do think that um because if destiny were not a live service perhaps you know whatever the witch queen was they could have continued that with lightfall because the a team could have just worked on lightfall and it could have been great um but in terms of the model i don't i don't know why people just hate the model (laughs) so much back for blood the newest halo infinite and all the um cosmetics but is that that the model's fault though right just do you think Back for Blood would have been better if it were not a live service. I, I don't think so. I've played all the expansions. To say we'll fix it when it's released, which is just kind of. I rarely see. Sure, there are games like um, what No Man's Sky and Sea of Thieves that will be like fixed up after release, but there's for every yeah. No Man's Sky there's an anthem that just kind of slowly bleeds out. Um, yeah, but that's a problem with even single player. I mean, look at Jedi Fallen Order or Survivor. Like, 
it had a lot of issues. Like, and I didn't encounter a lot of them. I was blessed in my gameplay. <laughs> but like, we've had games that aren't live service that are having the same similar issues. Uh, a bad game is a bad game, whether it's online or not. True. I do think there's an argument with the minimal viable product thing. Um, yeah. Releasing something, you know, again, as minimal viable as possible. Um, but there have been examples of good games that have released as a minimum viable product and they got more over time and people are, I mean, Apex Legends, I think, is probably one of the best examples of a game that was released as a minimum viable product. They didn't have everything in place, but what was there when they shadow launched that thing was really strong. And because the foundation was good, it has allowed it to last as long as it has. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like the model is fine. I think it's poor development and poor planning. I think that's a bigger issue for games as a service, live service than the model itself just not work because the because we've seen examples of the model working right yeah Would yeah you- but i feel like we see equal amounts of it flopping and i also think it leads to more microtransactions because the timeline of the game being alive and needing to be supported longer is there so naturally they need to make more money off of it and so they're going to monetize further i don't care about that I am a person. If I like your microtransactions, fine. I'll buy it. If I if not, I don't care. Um, Just make it good. I'll pay for it. (laughs) Right. Fair enough. I mean, I prefer the model of having a bunch of good-looking skins that I can just unlock through skill and like grinding out the game, rather than having a hundred like, oh, that's cool. Bought the game. Got to pay for it, even though it's like a sixty-dollar game. Yeah, but that actually exists less than sixty dollar games. It's it's a lot less of a thing with skins. Like most of your skins and stuff that you find like that are in free to play. I mean, Diablo like, Four is the latest Halo, example like of instance, doing that. Yeah, which so. on Diablo Four, I I appreciate um, the dev team and the artists that. I've checked the shop. You know, I was very worried that they were going to hide all of the, you know, best looking skins, outfits and stuff for transmog and put it in the shop because logically that's what you want to do. You want to put the things that people will be most inclined, the prettiest stuff in the shop that way they'll buy it. It's not really, I haven't seen anything that's like, Oh, I have to have that. And I also like just running around sanctuary. I don't think I've seen anybody rocking that stuff so i'm very curious <laughs> yeah, to see like same. their actual numbers so i i respect that that they're like hey we do have a shop but we're not going to put our best stuff in the shop um, i think that's what matters to me is just how much they lock back there and just how much they push the monetization scheme on the players well, I'll admit, I like, like I even called out Call of Duty recently, and that it felt like the Battle Pass didn't have as much like in there that was have to haves, and a lot of the cool stuff was bundles. <laughs> like that's that's what it felt like. 
this this season. Like Battle Pass is just it feels like it's there. Like it's cool stuff, but there's nothing there that's like, oh man, I bought this for this. And I actually did that a lot in Vanguard. I, as bad as Vanguard was in terms of as a game, the actual like content and the battle passes were a lot better. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, those are that's just my two cents on the issue. Oh yeah, I I think to summarize my thoughts on live service games, I I do not think that the model is bad whatsoever um but not every game needs to be a live service yeah Um, i I don't i I don't think that the model is bad um i i am very much okay with content being free paying for cosmetics um and from a sales standpoint it was much easier to just sell a game in a ten dollar season pass than david can attest having to sell a sixty dollar fifty dollar expansion for call of duty on top of a 60 dollars game so it's much easier and viable to sell too um yeah i i don't think they're bad necessarily but not every new game that comes out needs to be that yeah i think um i think a lot of publishers and developers see live service as a way to monetize and so a lot of people lump monetization in with live service when they're actually separate things they can monetize single player games in the same way they just don't most of the time um and but reality is a lot of single player games are now getting extra monetization within it uh when it doesn't need it so monetization is not exclusively a live service thing at this point but um to Noah's point, yeah, not every not every game needs to be a live service. Um I would say shoot probably, you know, something like Oh, I had an example of Oh, Sea of Thieves. That game needs to be a live service. <laughs> they the, what they want to do with that, the expanse of that, they couldn't do that as a 12-year game in development. <laughs> that's just not that's just not possible. That's too much money lost at this at development time by the time that game releases, who knows where the industry would be at that point. So, live service allows certain games to exist that couldn't because they they can put something out and it can hit and they can expand and build upon it as they go along and that doesn't mean they have to be scummy with their monetization uh, but you know that that does come kind of come with the territory i find that games i personally don't like the idea of having battle pass content locked like a season passes you can't get that anymore you had to be there you have to buy the battle pass or else that really cool skin can't get it anymore i think yeah. that's a bad monetization scheme i'm surprised more games haven't taken halo infinite's model uh where you buy a battle pass and you just have it and you can unlock it it essentially yeah yeah Yeah, i'm surprised more haven't taken that on i feel like that was a really good way to do that a really good model maybe they're just trying to figure out how to implement it or they're really pushing for the whole fomo thing because you know i mean bungie they changed it. it Yeah, I've also heard a lot of critiques of the shaders in the Halo Infinite, and just kind of yeah, but that 
that's different just in the terms of the the what you can do with the battle pass which is buy it and you have it forever as long as halo infinite exists that's excellent but yeah go ahead noah um, unless I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Bungie has uh, changed it to where the seasonal content's there for a year now. Unless I'm wrong. You said there for a year? Mm, yeah. Like in each oh. yearly expansion, they'll, they'll swap everything out. I'll, I could be wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure that's the way it is now. Don't quote me on it, but... Okay. Yeah, that must have changed because Beyond Light wasn't like that. Witch Queen wasn't like that. I think that it started with Witch Queen like going forward. Yeah. Oh, really? I don't remember it being like that. Okay, I could be wrong. Um. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just wanted I wanted to hear it from somebody who doesn't like it. I will say I'll yeah. give I'll give people who don't like live service uh, this uh, the idea that the thing could shut down at any point and everything you spent money on is gone. Yeah. Okay. I get that. Yeah. But um, I mean, I I think that's how most entertainment anything. And just- Works. Coming back to Destiny like a while later and going, what is happening with the lore? What is going on right now? Why is no, the, the wall thing was awful. Yeah. I think every Destiny player would say that. I don't think there's any argument to suggest that vaulting was a good idea. I get why they did it from a development standpoint. I'm not going to ignore that, but no one's going to say, yeah, that was a great idea, Bungie. Vault everything that we paid for and move on. Um, I think if Bungie could do it over again, they would. Yeah, but it is inherent to live service that it was vaulted, right? No, it was it was not inherent to live service. It was uh, simply game is getting too big. (laughs) Yeah, the game was getting too big, and the engine was they wanted to update the engine too. So those two things in tandem basically made them vault because. Old code was old. getting too big because it was a live service, right? No, Call of Duty was getting too big <laughs> just because it's it's too big. It's, it's game, um, yeah. yeah, so they, you they're aren't building things right. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, <laughs> they're Tiger they're is also, upon it. Tiger is very old too. That is an old engine. Uh, yeah. So so the way old Destiny was built, the way some of Destiny Two was built in the beginning was on that old engine plus them continually building upon it which is not necessarily a live service thing uh it would be no different if halo 3 decided to be this super huge epic and they just kept adding to it over and over and over and you got this huge file size that takes hours to push a patch through and hours for people to download it yeah that's just problematic um so they just hadn't um planned for that kind of problem so their solution was vaulting that stuff putting it away and so that way the file sizes weren't as big patches could go through faster um okay and and then to really quickly uh give context and kind of expand on my uh so when they're the seasonal content that is carrying over like through the year like if you purchase a season the like content activities and the weapons that you can earn stay the year the battle pass itself goes away so like okay whatever like weapon pools that are with the this season that that we're in now it'll last until final shape hits like you can still play those activities and get but yeah the season pass itself goes away which i get uh yeah that's annoying but yeah okay 
All right. Well, we got one left, but let's just I wonder which one it will be. Did it anyway? Yeah. All right. It's guilt. Jackson, guilt talk to us about guilt. It's great. Not about the music. I give it a ninety. Very, <laughs> very good horror game. Great stylization. Not very difficult, but I didn't find that subtract. From what is it. guilt? So you, guilt is um, a horror adventure game where you play as this little girl named Sally looking for her missing cousin, Emily. Um, she was bullied. She fled. You have to look for her. On your way to look for her, you're chased off the road by some bullies. Your bike is broken. You have to, like, get your way home. And on the way home, you find, like, Sally in the schoolhouse and then things rapidly start unraveling. Just like... This game, I've got to say, since it's a horror game, has some surprisingly good body horror for something that looks so cartoony. Um, there's this one enemy that has a camera, like, not a camera, an old, like, film projector that juts out of its mouth in the scene in which it transforms is horrifying. Um, yeah, Tequila Works. Tequila Works made it. You can tell they put a lot of love into tying the various details and aspects together. Um, those eyeball creatures, the one you just saw explode for like a fraction of a second, every enemy kind of represents... A, a sort of trauma of bullying or kind of a trauma a child will face. It's up to you to like decipher a lot of this. The game will never outright tell you anything or very rarely outright tells you anything. You have to decipher it. And I love that. I love that. It doesn't just have like lore dumps or just like, jarring exposition about oh this is what this enemy is and oh this is who this character is you kind of just discover the world around you at your pace enemies will permanently like disappear once you've slain them i don't think they respond they never respond in my playthrough which allows you to explore the world better it allows you to find the secrets that you can kind of fall upon better um yeah just a beautiful game um what do you do i see sneaking i see throwing things i see yeah. flashlighting so pretty much on your quest to find emily like you have to track her down through the schoolhouse you're going to have to sneak around these enemies a lot although there is a more direct way to compete with them you see that that right there that we just saw your flashlight has a kind of laser mode in which you can target it at the glowing bits on the enemies if you do that they just like instantly die upon destroying like the final glowing bit like i said this isn't a very difficult game but it does provide enough variation in the combat to maintain being engaging while you're going through the game and focusing on the more important aspects like the story and 
some light puzzles that are pretty fun. Okay. Yeah. Great body horror. Great use of perspective, too. Like, often you'll get a POV shot from the monster just through its eyes viewing Sally. And it's it's spooky. I rarely see games do that. I think I've seen two horror games do that in all my time just playing video games. The first being some vague Cthulhu game. Um... And the other being No One Lives Under the Lighthouse, which is a small indie game that came out after this one. Something important to note, this was a Stadia exclusive. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it was tied to that sinking ship. It and wasn't it, just the Stadia exclusive. It was actually a Stadia-owned studio at that point. This was their ooh. first... This was actually their first production. So the game was good. It just wasn't on a good platform. Yeah. I think most of the problems people have with this was the, um, it it was related to it running. And I think that a lot of that came from Stadia. Oh, really? Yeah. Stadia had some issues with running games like choppy frame rates. Oh, I wouldn't I'm, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, that was possibly more due to the actual game itself, because they probably obviously the game is coming out now and it, it was out for Stadia for some time. I could see it having been just the they've had time to work out the bugs. Oh, yeah. I know the, the actual Stadia itself. I never really had any issues with. Maybe, I mean, maybe the people had bad speed latency from speeds or something. I don't know. Yeah. That was just the main critique I heard from Stadia, but it, it's it's just well polished. It's just a well made horror game with a good aesthetic. It it ties in its lore very well. It it doesn't force anything like down your throat. It's just very refreshing. In a year of like Gollum. <laughs> It, it's just nice to see a game that just you play it, it runs, and you just have a great time with it. <laughs> There's been plenty of those this year. Um, True. Glad this but we is never have enough, of can we? <laughs> of course. Of course not. You mentioned body horror. Body horror. What, is, what one- do you mean by that? Like there's one mannequin enemy that kind of snaps its head around. And then kind of marches, fidgety, unnatural, yeah, right there, fidgety, unnatural movements. Like I said before, there's a enemy that has a camera that bulges out of its mouth. It's like something you'd see out of like early 2000s cartoons, like Courage the Cowardly Dog or something. But it, there's kind of this odd dissonance because the art style is so clean and nice you just kind of stare at the screen like, what am I looking at right now? Like, it's very pretty, but it's also kind of disgusting. Well, also the art style looking. being more, you know, kind of cutesy almost to a degree. So it's like, why is this here? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that that enemy I talked about is in stark contrast to another boss that's just like a big old furnace. He looks completely cartoony. So I'd say the game balances it out 
pretty well. Um, yeah, great aesthetic. Also, I love the diegetic game design of having like the battery pack. You can see how much energy you have on the camera. Really keeps the HUD clean so that you can just focus on the horror and the game in front of you. Very clean HUD. Very much love it. Nice. And this yeah. is called Guilt, right? Guilt. I'd also okay. like to mention, like, there's deeper lore. Like, the more you look around the map, um, the more you learn about the town's history. And pretty much, the uh, Sally lives in Bethelwood. She searches around this factory called Tom for her sister. Tom with two M's for some reason. The only thing that connects Bethelwood to Tom is a single cable car, which is a really cartoony detail that, you know, how things would work in like a kid's mind, kind of. And the more you explore, the more Lovecraftian it gets. And I can just appreciate that. All right. Yeah. All right, that guilt. is guilt. Guilt. Very good. All right, that'll do it for us today. The wheel is empty. So that, is mean, that means we're done. So <laughs> fantastic time. Uh, we will be back next week. Noah, glad you're back. Jackson, thank you for joining us. Of course. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Deuces. Peace. See ya. Bye.